0: Cats Podcast. Ready? Let's go.
1: Welcome to the Community Cats Podcast. I am your host, Stacey LeBaron. I've been involved helping homeless cats for over 20 years with the Merrimack River Feline Rescue Society. The goal of this podcast is to expose you to amazing people who are improving the lives of cats. I hope these interviews will help you learn how you can turn your passion for cats into action. Today, we are with our good friend, Danielle Bays from the Humane Society of the United States. Danielle is the Senior Analyst for Cat Protection and Policy, and she's been a guest on the Community Cats podcast many, many times. So if you want to find out about her background, please go to the show notes at communitycatspodcast.com and we'll have links to all the past episodes that she has been on. But Danielle, I'd like to welcome you to the show today. Thank you.
0: I'm so happy to be here.
1: So first and foremost, of course, podcasts have to be number one in my mind. And I want to congratulate you on a wonderful podcast episode for the Humane Society of the United States new podcast, which I believe is called Humane Voices. How did you enjoy being on their show?
0: I liked it. It was a fun experience because I got to be there in person with the hosts. And I made a lot of cat jokes, but I don't know that they <laughs> made it to the final episode. So it was lovely. I love podcasts. I'm a big fan of them. And I'm glad to see more and more of them talking about cats.
1: Well, I was impressed to see that HSUS has decided to put some resources into podcasting. So welcome you and the other folks who are intimately involved in the podcast to the podcasting world for animal welfare. So, Thank uh, you. It's great. I'm supportive of all folks doing podcasting. The more for us to listen to, the better off we're all going to be. So, Danielle, before we jump into talking about policy issues, what's going on around the country, I know you have Expo coming up, and I didn't know if you wanted to share some details about where it's going to be, when it is, and what's happening.
0: Yeah, it's going to be in San Antonio, Texas this year. It's the first time for us being there, and I'm really excited. We're at the Convention Center, which is right by the Alamo, and I understand there's cat graves at the Alamo from their community cats that they've had there in the past. So, there's a nice little uh, cat tourism going on, but we have a whole cat's track. Expo is going to run from May 6th through 9th, and we have a whole track devoted to cats. So we're going to cover some TNR. We're going to cover behavior. We're going to cover kittens, a lot of great stuff. It starts out with a whole day-long session on cat behavior, and that is going to be presented by Andrew Dornan from Cat Town and Tabitha Casera, who you will have had on your cat behavior day. Yes. Will just happen once this airs. So they're going to talk about those really hard to adopt cats. Some of the older shy cats, some of the older kittens that came in from maybe a feral colony who are not quite social, but you can see the potential in them. So they're going to do a really fun interactive day long learning lab about that. And I'm super excited. And then for the regular programming, we have several TNR programs that are going to be highlighted, including the program in uh, Portland. A lot of people hear about the Karen Krause and Bob Salingers, their collaboration and the cat and wildlife and the Candio tour. Well, this time, Karen and Leah Kennan, who's their medical director, are going to talk about their actual TNR program and how they work with the community and their spay neuter clinic to really work on reducing the population of cats outside. And then, kind of, another part of the country, we're going to hear from Nadia Novick, who is from Mountain Humane in Idaho, about how they really engage the community and kind of do a pets for lifestyle outreach program for TNR and have had a lot of great success. So, that's a kind of a much less populated rural area versus Portland, which is a more urban center. So, I think there's a lot for everyone. And then, of course, you're going to be doing a couple of workshops. I'm sorry. Awesome community cat coordinator. You know, so many more shelters are hiring people to focus on their community cat program. So what does that mean? What does that look like? And then the community cat pyramid, which I really think is a new way that we need to be thinking. And I'm hoping that we'll have a lot of shelters attend that and really reassess the way that they're putting resources into cat issues. So that's really exciting. I'm going to be doing some more talk about policy with our state director, Brian Hackett from New Jersey. He is more of a cat guy than I am a cat lady. So I'm really excited for us to pair together and talk about how to get local ordinances, get your elected officials involved, how to build coalition locally. So that should be really fun. Expect a lot of cat humor in that as well. We have a couple on kittens. The National Kitten Coalition will be there talking about a kitten's developmental journey. And then the folks from the Million Cat Challenge have a whole array of different shelters talking about some of the different kitten programs that they have found successful. And I would be remiss if I didn't mention that we're also going to have Jackson Galaxy, the cat daddy, talking about why we must be cat now. And it's really important to focus on cats and cat behavior. So it should be a really, really exciting program. And I hope people will be able to come. Registration is open on site, so it's never too late to sign up.
1: That's fantastic. That's a great lineup. And thank you so much to HSUS for allowing me to share some of my thoughts around various topics. I am very passionate about the Community Cat Pyramid. And at HSUS, we're going to have some giveaways, we're going to have some posters where you can put your own logo on the flyers and possibly some t-shirts even. So we have some grand plans to make sure that everybody knows what the community cap pyramid is all about. I can't wait for it. It's going to be fun. And I have actually never been to Texas other than I have flown through Dallas once. So it'll be great to see a part of Texas. So for me, it'll be an adventure. So yeah, let's move on to our policy, our Jeopardy game of policy to a certain degree. But it seems like at this point in time, there is one major hot topic going on all around the country with lots of positive movement and momentum. And I'd like you to share that with us today. Get your claws out. It's (laughs) declawing.
0: Declawing has been an issue for folks in the cat community for a a long time. But since last year, when New York State became the first state in the U.S. to enact a statewide ban on non-therapeutic declawing, it has really taken off. And I want to give a shout out to the Paw Project which has been a huge advocate in this realm and really done so much education with the public, with veterinarians, with legislators, that now we're seeing there should be a dozen states at least with declaw bills this year and states that where the bill had just kind of sat there last year are already moving or having more hearings there's momentum legislators are just coming forward wanting to introduce a bill on their own it's not one of those issues where you have to go out and find legislators to sponsor bills they are doing it proactively which is really exciting
1: yeah and do you think that the reason there's this like momentum and action is because of New York passing the ban
0: Legislatively, I think that that's it. That kind of was the, the tipping point. You know, we've seen policies for different entities evolve over time. There are a lot of medical organizations that are supportive. Obviously, our Humane Society Veterinary Medical Association has been opposed to declawing all along. The American Association of Feline Practitioners is opposed to declawing. We recently have seen Banfield that hospitals, which operate Across the country in the PetSmart's, mostly they now are no longer doing declawing. So this is a major shift in how we're thinking about how cats use their claws and why they use their claws and why they should keep them. And it's not just something that we can leave to individuals to make that decision. One thing that really surprised me when I was learning about this is that the AVMA estimates about 25% of cats are declawed.
1: Wow, that's amazing. I can't believe there's that many cats that are getting declawed anymore.
0: Yeah, I thought that was really surprising. You know, it doesn't take that many veterinarians still doing declawing because if one veterinarian in a community is doing declawing, they can do all that business. It's not like if a whole bunch of the vets don't, that it's going to have the same kind of reduction. So if there's an actual law prohibiting it, I think we're going to make more of a difference than simply through education. Unfortunately, that's the case here.
1: So with regards to, you know, there's the statewide initiatives, citywide initiatives, and then the association-wide initiatives, if there's somebody out there who's really interested in getting involved in this issue, finding out more how to help, where would you recommend that they turn?
0: The HSUS has a state director in nearly every state, and we don't actually have a person in a state. We have a person who covers the state. So I would suggest anyone who's interested in following up with legislation on the state level or even the local level to reach out to their HSUS state director. And you can reach them easily by email. Just say, write the name of your state at humanesociety.org.
1: So you had mentioned when we were chatting before we hit the record button that you have a new community guide for municipal officials coming out. What is that about?
0: Yeah, this is an update and revision of a publication we've had for a while. It's Managing Community Cats, a guide for elected municipal officials. And it really outlines why municipalities should be concerned about community cats and what are good policies. It looks at All the things that don't work that we often see a lot of times when policymakers have a cat issue, they get cat complaints, you know, their knee-jerk reaction is to remove the cats or ban feeding of the cats because they think that will just solve the problem. So this document outlines those things that don't work, but also the things that do work, like doing TNR, having programs to address keeping cats in homes and in families and why they should embrace those instead. It has some scientific information, some studies. It has some data from different shelters to show how doing these humane programs have reduced complaints, reduced cats coming into shelters. So it's kind of like your one-stop guide to hand to your legislators To help them understand the issue so it's been out of print for about a year we've done some updating and revising it added some new information and it is going to be hot off the presses when the show airs
1: excellent well we'll make sure we get a link to that in the show notes along with the other guide that you are very well known for which is the return to field guide that you did with brian and was it with karen or just brian
0: brian cordis susan richmond and karen little yes
1: and that's also available on the HSUS website too?
0: Yes, you can find
1: all of our resources
0: for cats, the Municipal Guide for Elected Officials, the Return to Field Handbook, some other flyers, as well as information on Animal Care Expo at animalsheltering.org. So that's the Humane Society of the United States website that is focused on the shelter and rescue community and provides lots of resources for those folks out in the field who are working on these issues.
1: Fantastic. Fantastic.
2: Say goodbye to scooping. Say hello to a better litter box. Introducing Kitty Sift, the eco-friendly, waterproof litter box made of recycled cardboard. Just lift, sift, and reuse. See it on Amazon or go to kittysift.com and use coupon code PODCAST for 15% off. You already know that capturing and editing video of your animals is important to your social media strategy. Facebook, Instagram, and even PetFinder all allow you to embed videos to bring more attention to your life-saving work. But how can you easily get videos from your staff and volunteers into a place where you can use it? Check out RescueTube, where they've simplified the process of getting your videos and photos together in one place. Here's how it works. You simply generate a unique code which your staff and volunteers enter into the free Dubert app and the videos and photos they take are automatically uploaded to your dashboard. Imagine being able to capture recent videos and photos from all of your foster homes in one place to use on your social media and website. Rescue Tube is powered by Dubert, so you can keep all of your life-saving work from transports to fosters all in one place. Learn more at www.rescue.tube to simplify capturing video and photos of your animals.
1: For those that were interested in uh, sort of kicking it up a notch for the advocacy and interest in lobbying and everything, you had mentioned that you also are participating in a conference that HSUS does or some component of HSUS does every other year in July.
0: Yes, that is called Taking Action for Animals. And that is in July, it's in D.C., uh, July 25th and 26th. And it is really our advocacy conference. So I will be speaking with Dan Spahar, who you've also had on the show before, about TNR policy and declawing as well. And that conference is really focused on legislation and policy. And it's followed up the Monday after the weekend with a lobby day with organized visits to your congressional representatives for people. So, really excited to include more CAT information in that conference.
1: Wow, that sounds like a fun weekend in the summertime in hot DC. Yeah,
0: <laughs> you know, it's the rite of passage. <laughs>
1: Right. Got to earn your keep. That's for sure. And I would be remiss in having an interview with you and not mention DC Cat Count, which we have referenced several times before on the show. But for folks that might be turning into the first episode here, would you uh, be willing to share with us what is the DC Cat Count project and where we're at with that right now? Sure. Yeah. So the DC Cat
0: Count is a project that HSUS is working on along with the Humane Rescue Alliance, which is the main shelter in Washington, D.C., the ASPCA, PetSmart Charities, and a bunch of really smart academics who are helping us all figure out a way to count cats. You know, we talk about how effective our community cat programs are, we always base that on secondary metrics, like how many cats are coming to the shelter, how many surgeries we've done, because we haven't had a really easy way to figure out how many cats there are actually outside, which also is a challenge where we're trying to figure out how many surgeries we need to do, like how many cats do we need to DNR, how many cats do we need to touch before we can make a difference. So, what this project is doing is looking at some different methodologies, using some more complex things and more expensive, intensive things with cameras and some simple. Really logistically feasible methodologies that involve like walking around and looking for cats and validating that scientifically. So, we're in year two, just finished up year two of our research. And in April, we will be launching the third year of our field work. And so, we're looking at outdoor cat populations as well as own cats and cats in the shelter and taking all that data together. So we will hopefully, everything's looking good so far, um, be able to share some easy ways that people and communities can go out and determine how many cats there are and how well their programs are doing by using that, those tools.
1: The key word you just said there was easy ways, or the key two words, easy ways to determine how many cats are out there. So I'll be very eager to see what those easy ways are. (laughs) Yes.
0: Yes. So the project that we're working on is very complex and very intensive. And we recognize that's not what communities are going to be able to replicate. So we're hoping to have something that's easy, and you know, having come from running a TNR program um, and having challenges of being able to get the number of cats in for surgery that I had in my grant that I was supposed to, and finding out maybe there really aren't that many cats out in that community, it can be challenging. Like how do you know if you're really making the impact you think you are, and what resources do you need to do that? So I think there's a lot of practical applications here of having this kind of information. But the other thing is it really will help us in conversations with people who traditionally haven't been so supportive of our community cat efforts. And really that comes from the conservation community because we can have scientifically valid information We can have some common language that we're using to discuss their impact, and that can really help build bridges and eliminate some of the conflicts that we see when we're in the policy realm and trying to pass ordinances or laws to help protect our community cats or enable our work to reduce their population. That are opposed by folks in the conservation field. So I think this can be really important on many, many levels. So we're really excited about it. And if people would like to follow along, there's a website, dccatcount.org, but highly recommend following along on Instagram because we find a lot of really fun wildlife on the cameras that we have out as well as cats. So a lot of that is shared on the Instagram and that's at dccatcount.
1: Sounds great. Excellent. I'll definitely check that out. Lastly, you talked a little bit about some of the metrics and the counting. You're also doing a little bit of that in Puerto Rico.
0: Yeah. So as you may know, HSUS has this big project in Puerto Rico called Spayathon, where we are working to spay and neuter all the dogs and cats in Puerto Rico. And as a component of that, we decided to apply some of the various methodologies to track the number of street dogs and cats on the island. So we will be launching a project with our friends, our affiliate Humane Society International, along with our consultant John Boone, who we've had on the show before as well, to kind of get an idea of what the dog and cat populations are there and how the impact of the massive spayathon efforts are having on the island.
1: That's fantastic. So Danielle, is there anything else you'd like to share with our listeners today?
0: I just say that it's a really good year. If you haven't made your resolutions for the year yet, you should make a new year's resolution here to build yourself a catio (laughs) and not put that off because it is going to be so much fun and a great conversation piece for you and your neighbors about Keeping cats enriched, keeping cats safely confined, and really having something that's that's fun and interesting for you and your cats together.
1: Yes, and for those of you who are really interested in catio's and you're with organizations, the Cats Safe Indoors Initiative. That Karen Kraus and Bob Salinger work on together with their Catio tours they presented at the Online Cat Conference and even though the conference has happened the recordings are still available so you can get them at onlinecatconference.com and you can tune in and see their presentation and you can also tune in and see Danielle do her presentation too so she was also a presenter on Sunday and Karen and Bob were presenting on Saturday but there are some great pictures of some fantastic catio's out there and. It was a really wonderful weekend with lots of incredibly valuable information. So I encourage people to go back there. I, I hope you had a good time at the online cat conference. I, I did. And I learned things. So, you know, I, I think we have to remember that we can
0: always keep learning as much as we've done cat work, how many years, how much we've done. There's always new things that we can learn from all the wonderful people that you have on the show and in the conference.
1: Oh, thank you. And thank you for all the work that you do, putting together the conferences and writing and being out there and advocating and traveling. You do so much, Danielle. So I want to thank you so much for focusing on the cats. Lastly, if there's anything that folks want to reach out, I know you've mentioned the website before, but one last time, if there are folks that want more information, where would you recommend that they go?
0: They can go to our website, animalsheltering.org, or if you would like to reach out to me, you can send me an email. My email address is D is in Danielle, Bays, my last name, B-A-Y-S, at humanesociety.org.
1: Excellent. Danielle, I want to thank you again for agreeing to be a guest on my show. And I know we'll have you on again in the future. So thank you so much for joining me today. And for our listeners out there, please consider sharing this podcast with others. The more subscribers and listeners we have, the more we'll be able to do to help cats. And we want to turn your passion for cats into action. Thank you.